Help me out here. Hey guys, welcome back to the Help Me Out Here podcast. On today's episode is a great friend of mine. His name is Dave Mays. He is a YouTuber full-time. He hosts the channel called Kinotika. And Kinotika is all about filmmaking, gear, and reviews. Dave is such a good camera tech person. He's very knowledgeable, um, just makes great videos. Super entertaining, fun, sweet guy. Please enjoy this episode. I had a blast making some content with my friend Dave out in California recently. So let's just chill in his garage for an hour and, and have a good conversation. Thanks for being here. All right, garage is closed. Garage is closed. Welcome to the pod, my good friend. Oh man, I'm happy to be here. Dude, it's so good to be here. We're in California. Laguna Niguel in particular. It's so beautiful outside. I flew out here to help you with a video. Yes. Which, would you like to talk about it? Actually, sure. it might already be out by the time this podcast is out. Yeah. So I had this idea months ago um, when I heard the song by Billie Eilish, Bad Guy, mm-hmm. uh, to do a spoof called Gear Guy. <laughs> and I'm a, a gear and tech reviewer, and we can talk about that on the podcast, but... That's what I do for my job. I review tech and gear for camera nerds, yeah. and filmmakers, photographers, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to make a video on my YouTube channel uh, that's a niche kind of music video about camera gear, talking about all the things that a lot of the stereotypes that we face as uh, gear <laughs> enthusiasts. <like> enthusiasts. <laughs> um, one of the lines in the song is, uh, I'm a gear guy. Don't know how to shoot guy. <laughs> Pretend I think I know guy. You know? So like we all know so true. We all know a person who uh owns a ton of gear but like doesn't know how to really use it. Bro, I actually know some people like and that. To be completely fair, I totally have been that guy myself too. <laughs> and everybody st- everybody starts somewhere, but there are specific types of people out there who really only care about the gear and I definitely don't really like the uh, the story first gear doesn't matter argument because that's true story is first but sometimes at least in my case the gear is the story that's so, that's a good point for your channel it is a story yeah so to say that gear doesn't matter is wrong it's like well that that's actually the topic of my story yeah it's gear yeah I've I've heard that statement so many times and I've even said it before too like story is king but yeah. I love gear. It's something that I don't really make videos about anymore, but you're a gear guy. I'm a gear guy. Don't know how to shoot guy. But um sorry, I'm putting your thing on the coaster. <laughs> Whoa, power move. You just coasted <laughs> you, me. You missed it, the audio listeners. I I put his beer on a coaster. So Dude, thank you so much for teaching me the art of respect. No, it's it this is a twenty dollar table I got at IKEA, so <laughs> honestly it doesn't really matter. I think it's like made of plastic. Yeah, so it's it, probably gonna fall apart by by the time the episode's over. The table is a coaster. Dude, I do know people though that get like super nice camera gear, like either from their parents mm-hmm. or they're just, I guess they have money from some reason, for some reason. And, uh, well, it extends to musicians too. Yeah. Uh, gamers. Um, gamers. Any type of profession or hobby that requires a lot of stuff or gear in particular. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about being a little bit more broad with this video and including musicians because you could almost do a full verse on collecting guitar amps and pedals and uh, preamps and There's all that so kind of much. stuff. Road cases, people who are obsessed with like making their road case perfect. Yeah. But uh, a good friend of mine, actually the producer of the song, Ruslan, he was like, yeah, you should probably just keep it on camera stuff. I think that was a good choice. 
So anyways, we just finished shooting it. And to give you guys a little bit of a nugget of like what we were dealing with today, <laughs> this one day, this has been a fun, awesome day. It's been a, okay. It was a crazy day, but, but was I was, I was chill all day. I didn't feel uptight or rushed. I feel like that's, th- this is like the first time in my career life where a day like this happens where there's so low stress we're having a total blast. Yeah. And like I'm tired but I'm really happy. I'm I'm fulfilled. I'm excited to see how this project turns out and like it's really nice to be in a position where we can just like make whatever. Mm-hmm. I agree. But Yeah, thanks for having me out, man. Anyways, I feel like I was going to rant. Oh yeah, I was going to say <laughs> today was crazy so I didn't have the second verse written to the song at all. Yeah. <laughs> And so we kind of just woke up and went down the Starbucks and uh, Zach helped me write the the second verse and mm-hmm. then we recorded it and uh, we didn't start shooting until 2.30. Like yeah. that's literally when we started shooting and we essentially wrapped at 7.30. So that's five hours. Five hours to shoot an entire music video. Plus we had lunch. We went to Chipotle. It was just such a chill day. It we felt like, like time just extended itself for just, us. Yeah, we kind of just... I feel like God really kind of just led the whole day. It was beautiful. So anyways, I got to be honest. I'm usually a pretty uptight person when it comes to work and schedules and stuff like not uptight, but just always aware of what I'm doing. And like, it just kind of controls me. Yeah. But today it was just it's awesome. Peaceful. So I'm glad that was the case. Yeah. It's fun working with you. Hopefully so, uh, we can do it more. I'm, I'm not used to being like the interviewed person because yeah. I actually have a podcast and I, I interview guests. Yeah, I was going to say. I feel like I'm about the... to ask you a question right now. Dude, let's interview each other. So how how are you? <laughs> Dude, I'm great. It's so nice to be out of Nashville's heat. Yeah. I love Nashville. And we should go into that a, a little bit because that's how we met. Yeah. It was Nashville. I'm from Nashville, man. Yeah. Well, You're actually I was a Nashville born here, boy. but I, I grew up in Nashville. I was only two when we moved. Oh, okay. So I didn't know that. Yeah, so I was born in LA. My mom is like born and raised California girl, and my dad is a musician, so he moved here, met my mom, had me, and then we moved when I was two. My dad's a Christian music uh, producer. Yeah, he and does so, jingles and stuff too. Yeah, so like he he moved to Nashville in the 90s to pursue like a music career in Christian the Christian industry. Mm-hmm. And he did a couple solo records, but then he he kind of landed this perfect niche for him, just like how my niche is camera stuff. His niche was kids worship music. And so he did like a whole slew of albums uh, called worship jams. That's so cool. Um, and they were like, on I've probably heard some of them. It was like kids bop, but like worship version. Yeah. And, and also like he would be offended to put that in the same bucket as kids bop because to him, the production level was like really important. So if you actually listen to them, they're really well produced. Nice. Like, He's got a ton of Beatles inspiration and stuff. God Bob. So like he was like, if the parents can listen to it and not go insane, then I've like succeeded. Yeah. So th- he did worship jams one, two, three, four, k- uh, kids, you know, Christmas and all that. Sixty-seven. So I grew up like around the music industry and uh, just creative arts in general, and uh, yeah, so I just started doing videos and in, in Nashville, and uh, I was like. I mean, well, I'm kind of fast forwarding. You didn't even ask for my life story. Dude, I need your life story. Did you 
did your parents have a camcorder or something that you found and used or how did you yeah, oh yeah. how did you start making videos? Yeah, I mean the first videos ever were with the camcorder. Uh, but the first kind of storytelling that I did was with a, like a voice recorder. So me and my brother would just use <laughs> remember those old like tape yes. uh, recorders. With the tiny little tapes. Yeah, and like yeah. and the one we had was like a really fancy one. It was like No, they weren't tidying tapes. They were uh, which sounds like a fun little name, tiny tapes. Tiny tapes. Um it was a little tape deck recorder with a small little microphone attached to it, like a little coiled yeah. thing. My dad used it for like uh, scratch tracks and stuff. Oh, okay. But anyways, my brother and I would just like goof off and like, today we're here at the Flying Circus and David the Magician is going to jump off of the thing and, you know, <laughs> just whatever, like just make up stuff. So that was really where I started just telling stories. And then I got really obsessed with animation. And so I actually got this really kind of rudimentary software and I was using Legos and like clay to do stop motion. Whoa. And I got really into that when I was like 12. And then when I turned like 14, my dad bought me um, a nice computer. You know, to me it was like really nice, but it was probably like, it it was great. I'm not complaining. (laughs) I was just, I was really lucky to have a a decent computer. And uh, he bought me a software called Toon Boom. And (laughs) what? Toon Boom. It was kind of a version of Flash. Like uh, at the time it was Macromedia Flash, but Adobe ended up buying Flash. It was like an animation software. So I learned how to do animation and uh, I started doing videos also with my friends. We would do sketches for my school. We actually had a news station in high school and it would broadcast locally to like hundreds of homes. So my parents could actually watch the news at their house, you know, because we would actually broadcast it from our high school. That's cool. And so I did like lightsaber battles and that was the first time I ever used After Effects. I did like some lightsaber duels okay. like everybody does. Right? Yeah. And uh, I did animation and I just got really into it and I won a contest when I was 16 years old. I won a Nickelodeon contest, what? like an animation contest. So really? they, f- they flew me and my family to Burbank and we got to see the Nicktoon studio and that really was obviously a huge deal for me because it was like reassurance that I can do this. What did you make to win that? I made a little animation uh, about these two characters called Bob and Bobby, and they are <laughs> ah. f- they're from another planet, and they, they come to planet Earth to save the world because the bad guy like takes the golden lamb, which is the king's prized possession. And anyway, so very they, deep lore. They come to planet Earth, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and they they land in my high school, Mount Juliet High School. And, uh, so I took pictures of the high school, like the gymnasium and the hallways, and I would animate on top of the pictures. Okay. So it was like these little cartoon characters inside our high school. Oh, sweet. And so I made a couple of videos. I didn't make a lot cause it was a lot of work. Uh, and those went on the news, which was really cool. But then I submitted that to like a little Nickelodeon contest. And anyways, I <laughs> was like on the path to be an animator. I wanted to like be working for Pixar or something like that. And so I was going to go to college and everything and pursue animation. And then right when I started going to uh, my sophomore year of college, um, my buddy started hiring me to shoot weddings with him. Oh, yeah. And he was using uh, camcorders. But literally, it was 2009. And that was right after the 5D Mark II came out. And if anybody is not familiar with that kind of time period and 
camera stuff. The 5D Mark II came out in 2008, and it was a DSLR, so like a stills camera that was able to record video. Mm-hmm. And anybody who's listening to this is actually watching a video right now that's shot on a camera that is that, a stills camera that does video. Shape, yep. Um, but that was the first time that it like really happened and it revolutionized everything because you could put lenses on your camera. It was a full frame sensor, shallowed up the field, shallowed up the field. Low light was amazing. And the price was like a quarter of what a proper video camera costs. Yeah. So Jeffrey, the guy I was working with, he had like a $6,000 Sony camcorder, you know, might not have been that much like three grand, but, um, so that like disrupted the industry. It disrupted everything. Yeah. If, if anybody was around during that time, it was just like so exciting. And now your job is all about that world of tech. Yeah. So that happened and I just fell in love with filmmaking and I dropped out of college and I just kept doing filmmaking. Another aspect to my story is I was a magician at that time as well. <laughs> yeah. So I was actually, I started doing magic in high school. At the same time, I was doing all this animation stuff. So I really didn't know which direction I was going to take. Yeah. But for six years, I probably had more focus and more drive to be a professional illusionist than a video person, to be honest. so cool. Like to me, animation was like the thing I was going to do to make my parents happy Mm -hmm. because it was like a jobby job and I get a degree to do it and whatever. Um, So I really did care about magic and I performed at like three or four different restaurants a week and uh, there, I had one or two regular restaurants that I would literally go to every single week. And I would just go table to table and do magic. I wasn't a waiter or anything. I would they just, give you tips? Yeah. So the, usually the restaurant would give me a free meal. Um, some of them would actually pay me. But, I, you know, I would, I would work for tips. Yeah. And that's um, so cool. My first job ever, like literally the first job I ever had was when I was 14. I worked at CeCe's Pizza doing magic. So Dude, I remember my, my perspective on income and like how much, like how much time it takes to make money is, was so skewed. And it took me a long time to even understand it. Cause like when I was 14 years old, my first job was that I went in, they paid me 50 bucks, like CC's pizza paid me 50 bucks mm-hmm. and I made $150 from tips in two hours. Dang. Son. So I was 14 years old, made 200 bucks. It's making people's money disappear. So my, I, uh, I didn't really realize that that was good. I just was like, Oh cool. Like this is work. Yeah. But like I learned really quick that no, that's not normal. <laughs> like you don't right. make 200 bucks in two hours when you're 14, Yeah, you know? And so it took me several years of grinding and like actually being a normal person. Like I, I which wasn't until I was like 24 uh, <laughs> when I got a, <laughs> when I got a real job for the first time in my life, I was like, Oh, that's why weekends matter to people. Yeah. So what was that job? I worked for a guy named Dave Ramsey in Nashville. Dude. Did you know that? I did not know you worked uh, for yeah, Dave yeah. Ramsey. So I got married when I was 24 that's and, funny. uh, I, I think, yeah, <laughs> I don't remember. Wait, how old are you now? I think I'm 20. I think I was 24. I'm 29. Yeah, that was right. Oh. We're almost five years married. so That's so awesome. Um, so I got married and doing video full-time freelance is really rocky financially. Yep. Because <laughs> like one month you could have like a ton of work and you're like, oh man, this is awesome. And then the next month like nothing mm-hmm. comes in, maybe one or two jobs. And so my wife is like, you just need to get a, just get a real job, David, you know? Yeah. And so I, I applied for a video position at Dave Ramsey and I got the gig cause I worked with them multiple times as a freelancer. Okay. And so I knew all the guys on the video team pretty much. Mm-hmm. And so they were like stoked that I 
applied because they're like, oh, Dave, we love you. Yeah, come on, man. You're hired, you know. And I was really grateful for the job. And I learned so much going to like a normal corporate kind of environment and having a boss who has a boss who has another boss, mm-hmm. like having four layers of hierarchy. Oh, gosh. And uh, dude, that makes me my skin. I will crawl. say like it, it was probably the most like creative time of my life, though, because uh, my job was so boring to me <laughs> that <laughs> I kind of like twiddled my thumbs and like got creative and it. I realized like I worked really hard for the first couple of months and then I, and then nothing happened. Like we, we had nothing booked for like a whole week. And so like everybody on the video team just kind of like, we would have like a meeting once a day or something, but like we wouldn't do anything. And I realized I've made the exact same amount of money that I made that week <laughs> as I did the week before when, really when I worked hard. really hard. <laughs> and so I was like, wait a minute. So I don't have to actually like Try. work hard. I can just kind of, like coast and make the same amount of money. So it was kind of amazing because I started for the first time actually relaxing and thinking about my career. Yeah. By this time I was already doing freelance video and wedding stuff for like six, seven years. And I never, I'm just constantly hustling. You know how this is as a freelancer. Yeah. You're just like, you say yes to every job you can get and you just are constantly editing and constantly shooting mm-hmm. and there's like no stop. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's and, like uh, a not, never ending tunnel. Yeah. And, uh, it was the first time I actually was able to sit and do nothing. And that's right when Casey Neistat on YouTube started making videos. And if you're not familiar with Casey Neistat, he, uh, just like the 5D Mark II revolutionized, I think, the filmmaking YouTube uh, like audience and yeah. direction. He kind of took what was called vlogging, daily vlogging, which was usually just somebody with like a point and shoot or maybe their phone just filming their day and kind of it's kind of like boring even. It's just mm-hmm. kind of mundane people just filming their life. And he took that and made it cinematic and he made, made a, it an art form. He made a narrative out of it every day. And I was so Didn't inspired. Did he go like 500 some days in a row or something? Yeah. It was crazy. It was really crazy. It was an amazing time to watch YouTube. At that time, Peter McKinnon also kind of started, well, he was about a year after Casey, but mm-hmm. um, I just kind of was like inspired through Casey to start my own channel because by this time I have been out of magic for like five years but I have all this experience as a magician. And then obviously all these years as a a freelance editor and shooter. And so I was like, I can perform on camera because I used to perform on stage and I can edit and shoot. I do that all day. Mm -hmm. And, and I just need to learn YouTube. And so I just kind of made my first video and made two or three videos just reviewing like random camera gear. And I really, really, really loved it. Um, Again, I, you know, had some experience directing music videos and commercials and even pursuing like trying to meet uh, different production companies and like try to climb the ladder as like a director in Nashville. Yeah. And I just was not into it. I just was like, this is stupid. Like, I don't want (laughs) to like, even if I did land a Taylor Swift music video, it's so corporate. Like you have to just play by the rules, do everything. Rules. It's so annoying. And on YouTube, and even at, at Ramsey, obviously, I was on the creative team, air quotes creative. I mean, it, it is a creative position, but like, it's you're not allowed to be fully creative. Like, yeah, there's it's not the same as brainstorming something, yep, 
and then that day or the next day bringing it to life, just like we did today. That's like exhilarating and so fulfilling. It's fulfilling. Yeah. Because that's kind of like how At God, least for people like us. That's how God made you and me, I think. Yeah, because there's probably people that had similar position to you mm-hmm. or they would get the Taylor Swift corporate thing, tons of rules and, and guidelines, they, and they thrive in that. Yeah, and they make they can make a good living doing that too, right? Yeah. So uh, I was just so bored with all that, and so I just I loved making these YouTube videos where there's no rules. I I did like crazy music edits. I did crazy cuts and stuff. <laughs> Sorry about that. Zach's like knocking over bottles. Just and dropping stuff. water. You bottles. traded over your beer for the water, which is yeah. a wise decision. I gave my life to Christ. Um, and uh, what happened was something that I could not, ex- I did not expect. Um, I'll just, sorry, I'm talking too much. No, you're not. This is all about you. So what happened was I was at Ramsey for 10 months and this last month, um, there's like the biggest event of the whole year. It's called Entree Leadership Summit. It's this big event, multi-million <laughs> dollar event, you know, that Ramsey puts on, makes a ton of money, uh, has a ton of get, uh, amazing guests that speak. Um, and the video team spent like three or four months making these intro videos and these graphics. And literally the week before Entree Leadership's Summit, Dave Ramsey himself watched the videos and he was not liking them. Oh, no. He, he hated the videos. He was like, we're not playing that. Oh, that would drive me crazy. And so I hadn't, you know, I will go ahead and just be on the record and say I had nothing to do with those videos. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, with my background in wedding films and just quick turnaround time and my experience doing YouTube, I was doing a couple of YouTube videos while I was at Ramsey. So the people that I was working with knew that I'm, I'm fast. One of them came to me, my, my boss came to me and said, Dave, here's what happened. We really need you to just save our butt. Can you go, it was in Orlando. Can you go to Orlando and film every day and make like a highlight video every morning about what you shot the day prior? I was like, oh yeah, that's easy. I can do like, I'll crush this. Yeah. I called my dad who's self-employed and, you know, like I said, a musician and he's actually a filmmaker now too, which is another funny story. But, um, he was like, David, this is your chance to like prove to the entire company that like you deserve a race and you deserve to be there and you deserve to have leadership and stuff like that. I was like, you're right. Because I literally went down there by myself, no help, no other Just crew. Just I shot the entire event every day. I stayed up all night. You know, I was up for three days straight, pretty much. I slept <laughs> maybe three or four hours here and there. Yeah. And, I, you know, I Dang. definitely am not trying to be braggy or whatever, but I crushed it. Like, these videos were so good. Dave Ramsey himself, every morning, would approve them with me. And he gave me a high five. He's like, Dave, you crushed it. Like, this is so great. Dave and Dave, man. So Dave Ramsey personally approved these videos. Obviously, the people who were attending the event loved seeing them themselves on screen. Mm-hmm. I, of course, was just ecstatic and like, oh, this is so great. Like, the company is really seeing, like, my potential and what I can do. And Dave himself is, you know, a fan of what I'm doing. Yeah. It's the last day of the event. My boss's boss, who I never have any interactions with, he comes up to me in Orlando. He's like, Dave, uh, you didn't send me any of these videos for approval. And from now on, you have to always go through the proper channels to get these videos approved. And I was like, well, Dave Ramsey 
you know, the guy that's your boss, <laughs> he watched them. And he was high fiving me. And he's like, yes, I understand. But like, you know, the proper channels are to go through me. I'm the creative director, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I was so pissed because I literally stayed up three days. Worked I, your ass off. I saved these guys butts, you know? Yeah. And I told this guy just out of probably lack of sleep and just frustration. I was like, so you want to micromanage me? I said that to him and he, and he kind of didn't know what to say to that because I don't think he's used to anybody kind of talking back to him. Yeah. And I was like, and he said, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I do want to micromanage you. And I said, no, you're not going to do that. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Dude, and, God. And so he did not know what to say because I don't think he really experiences somebody with that much rebellion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so he was kind of like flustered. I was pissed off and I just went home and, you know, whatever. So the following Monday, my boss, who is under that guy, he's like, Dave, come in my office. I was like, here you Uh-oh, go. Oh, here he goes. He's like, all right. So uh, he's like, Dave, I don't know how to handle you because we tell you to do something and you do what you want to do anyways. And I'm kind of upset at you for doing something without my permission, but then it's better than what we thought. <laughs> so I just don't know how to handle it. Cause it's like, we can't control what you're doing, but everything that you're doing is great. You know? So like as an employee and as your, your work, we love it, but as a person, you suck. Yeah. So he's like, <laughs> so he said, Dave, as your friend, I'm just going to tell you this. He's like, you either need to quit or we're just going to have to micromanage you for the next 90 days and you're going to be on basically like a kind of a parole kind of a thing for the next 90 days. We're going to have to like put you in a box basically to get you on board. And Uh, I I, I don't get that. Like we need you to be creative for us. So we're going to put you in a tiny box (laughs) with tons of rules and regulations. Like obviously there has to be some rules, but so my 10 months at Dave Ramsey ended that day. Nice. You're just I, done. I literally was like, dude, I quit. And I, and, and he said, this guy was actually a good friend of mine. My boss, he was so cool. He's like the same age as me, super chill tattoos everywhere. Super awesome dude. And he was like, man, I was like losing sleep this weekend because I knew I had to talk to you about this. And he's like, are you okay? I was like, dude, I'm so stoked. Like, I can't wait to get out of here. I can't wait to do YouTube. Yeah. And so my wife was pregnant. I called her up. I was like, Hey babe, I quit. <laughs> uh oh. You know, we, we were able to do a, a plan called Cobra, which extended our health insurance through Ramsey. So we were able to like afford, you know, the baby birth and all that. Otherwise it would have been like 25 grand, you know? Oh my um, gosh. So thankfully that worked I out. I don't but, know that. That's terrifying. Yeah. If we didn't have insurance. Yeah. Um, and I just called my freelance buddies immediately day that same day. I was like, Hey, Jim Cook, you know, I need some weddings. Do you have any weddings? I'd love to help you. I'll be your guy. Like, just give me every edit. I'll do it. Give me every shoot. I'll do it. Hey, Jeffrey, you got any shoots? Got any edits? Hey, so-and-so, you got edits, shoots? Yeah. And just within a week, I was, boom, back in it, you know? And Crazy. Not only that, but G- my friend Jim Cook, and I love him to death. Like, I kind of miss the guy. He basically just put me on a retainer. and was like, I'll just pay you, you know, basically what you were making at Ramsey, and just do all my, just do everything. And he has like 30, 40 weddings a, a year, Nice, you know? So I was just driving to his house and editing and he was just so generous. And he basically was like, just work for me, man. But 
you're freelance, you do whatever you want. And around that time, like two months after I quit, I got this email from China and they were like, <laughs> hi, uh, Dave, Altizer at the time I was going by that, but hey, Dave, we, we've seen your YouTube videos reviewing camera gear. We love it. Uh, would you be interested in hosting our channel full time? It's called Kino Tika. And I was like, what the heck is this? Yeah. And I was desperate for work, man. Like there's a garage. Are you, do you edit these? No. Oh, sweet. Yeah, dude. So, so let's just let everybody enjoy yeah, this garage. We're, we're in a garage next to a bunch of other garages. So you're hearing a car and a garage. It's just so like, it just puts people in the vibe. They're in this garage with us. Thank so, you for being in this garage. <laughs> so sure enough, I, I sent an email to these guys and they were legit. Like they, I Skyped to the guy in charge. His name's Tim. He lives out in Hong Kong. Wow. And uh, he's Russian and he's 25 years old. What? Yeah. <laughs> so he's, wow. he works with another guy who's like a big time kind of investor and uh, they kind of help start YouTube channels uh, centered around gear and tech. You should introduce me to them. Know, <laughs> See right? if they can help me start mine. <laughs> um, and so they were like, we'll pay you full time. Just make eight videos a month and uh, we'll pay you per video. And I was like, okay. And I was like, can we do a trial? You know, I don't feel super comfortable just jumping in all this. I got all these weddings I got to do for my buddy Jim. And so they're like, all right, we'll just PayPal you for one video. And um, instantly I got a PayPal and there's the money. It's real. I deposit it to my bank. Yeah. It's actually real money. Yeah. And uh, I make the video and they love it. And so I was like, all right, let's do another trial. And then they PayPal me again. <laughs> like, I, oh, I do another PayPal one. Thing is nice. And they did it one more time. So after three kind of trials, I was like, okay, I mean, they're legit. Yeah. And so I started and I couldn't do eight a month. That's I was a like, lot. I said, I can't do eight videos a month, big reviews and stuff. I need an editor and shooter. And I found a guy named Connor McCaskill, a really good friend of mine. And he's a good he's friend been, of yours. He's been on this podcast. He's been on this podcast. He's an incredible he boy. This podcast, and he Beautiful started... Man working with me um, and he was just fresh out of college, had some experience in the video uh, world, but um, was pretty fresh. And I kind of taught him a lot with, uh, you know, how to operate a camera, how to edit. And, you know, I don't definitely don't want to take any credit away from his own uh, ability because he has a natural talent and a natural ability. Very good work ethic. And an incredible work Dude, ethic. He's a beast. I can't, like every single colleague friend of mine, I mean, you and I are very similar and honestly, a lot of my friends are like us, mm -hmm. uh, kind of procrastinate. Oh, that ain't uh, me, dude. I don't procrastinate. You don't procrastinate? No. Dude, I procrastinate I get hard. stuff done, dude. Okay, good. I'm glad you're saying that. <laughs> I'm all alone though. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I'll speak for myself. Yeah. <laughs> I procrastinate. Uh, I just kind of do whatever I want and don't really care and, show up when I want and don't really care. And <laughs> Connor is like super prompt and super on time. And it really helped me, uh, kind of get in shape and like really realize that like, okay, I, I see why a schedule is important. I see why I should be on time to things. Cause I never in my entire life ever thought that it would be rude for me to be late. Interesting. Because we're in my household, everybody's late all the time and we all are understanding and we kind of don't really care. Like, in fact, when my brother, we, my brother and I laughed about this the other day, I'm like, if 
somebody is meeting me even like at a restaurant, unless of course there's like something real important going on after that meeting. If they're like, Hey man, I'm going to be like 30 minutes late. I'm like, sweet, cool. I can catch up on my emails. I can like go on Instagram. I kind of get like excited. Like, Oh, I got some free time. Yeah. But like for Connor, it was offensive that I was late <laughs> rightfully. So, cause he's just waiting for me to be there. Yeah. And so to him, it, it was, he told me that he's super punctual. And, uh, I was like, okay, I need to, so that you feel loved and honored and respected. I need to be on time. And I still wasn't, but I tried. <laughs> uh, we started like, I started just saying like, we need to meet at nine 15 or whatever. And I would like in my head, I would say that, but I would actually shoot for like nine. And so like, I would actually show up at nine 15, <laughs> okay. but I would That's just say so nine. Funny. Yeah. It's weird. It's a mental thing, I think, but yeah. Anyways, Connor was great and we built the channel together. We went from like, you know, like a thousand subs when he started with me and we had one viral hit in uh, April. We started in January. By April, we had one kind of viral video and we got up to like 20,000 subs. And then from there, we grew and grew and had another big viral hit uh, talking about the Osmo action or Osmo pocket. Uh, We went from like 25,000 subs to 50 in a week. Dude, that's crazy. So we got to 50,000. Oh my God. Um, and we're still, I mean, honestly, Kinutika is not, hasn't grown that much since then. I mean, it's at like 65,000 right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that means like in that week, we went from 25 to 50. And then from January to now, like it's only <laughs> been 15,000 or whatever. But uh, it doesn't really matter. And uh, as I've been learning more and more about YouTube, it's actually. You know, it's more about the click-through rate. It's more about the the views, the engagement, more than the subs, you know? Yeah. So, but anyways, uh, unfortunately, we had to let him go. Uh, it wasn't anything he did. Um, I was basically going to own the channel. I decided I wanted to own Kinotika, and we were going to work a deal out. And if that were the case, the channel just doesn't make enough money for me to afford Connor. And so, because it's all funded by this guy in China, right? So, mm-hmm. I was like, Connor, I'm so sorry. I'm going to own the channel, but I'm going to have to let you go because I, you know, I can't afford you. And then like a month goes by and then like literally my boss from China was like, hey, uh, you can't have the channel anymore. Like we, we don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> I was like, you realize I basically just fired Connor. Yeah. Who's like the best dude ever. <laughs> and he was already working for another YouTuber, Armando Fiera. Yeah. Who's amazing also. Um, so that was a bummer, but in a way it was a blessing in disguise because I feel like our friendship has gotten better and, uh, our relationship has gotten pretty deep. We like, we talk to each other fairly regularly on the phone and we see each other about once a week right now. And, um, he's getting a whole new experience too. And being in kind of a new filmmaker video person, I think it's actually really valuable. He might not realize it, but I think it's super valuable that he's getting experience with me. And now he's getting experience with another guy who's way ahead of me. He's like 400,000 subs almost. He's Armando. a beast. His stuff all looks and sounds amazing. Yeah. So like this guy, Crazy I'm really guy. scrappy. Like I love kind of the scrappy, like thrown together look. I mean, as you can see, this shot is thrown together. Yeah. I love this too. And I like, uh, I like both though. And so I, I just feel like, uh, that's just what I love. And uh, Armando loves to really make it look good and make it cinematic. Yeah. And He's Connor's, great at it. Connor's literally learning how to how to be a cinematographer. Yeah. Uh, and he's learning how to work with other people. So anyways, 
I'm not working for myself again, basically with Kinetika. We're down to uh, four videos a month instead of eight a month. That's nice. I told my bosses, like, look, I, I don't have Connor anymore. I can't do eight a, a month. And it's a different because you're doing gear stuff where that takes research, testing the gear yeah. to gain an actual valuable knowledge. It takes at least a, like a week to really get to know a new product. Yeah. Yeah, to actually if I'm tell using people something that's worth their time. And that's where I've been, I have been struggling with that because, um, you know, if you watch a lot of gear and tech reviewers, it's a race game. I know, dude, it's an, it's annoying, but I get it. Like, on one hand, it's just reporting the news, and then on the other, it's a review. So, like, if I get a new camera early, for example, like some of these companies will actually send me something before it's out. Yeah. I bought this Blackmagic 6K camera that's that sitting on the fast. desk. Um, Blackmagic isn't working with me, but I was able to order it immediately um, and get it and put a review out really quickly. And I didn't have a ton of time to like actually develop a huge opinion on it, but I've done this enough now where really just a day's shoot gives me a, kind of enough to get a gist for the most part to at least call it a first look review. Yeah, something. there's different stages that I've noticed yeah. in camera people because I used to do that kind of stuff. Like you get, you announce the camera. Yeah. And then you get the camera and you either do like an, it's like unboxing slash first impressions. Yeah. And then like quick review. And then later on, it's like the full review. Like three months later review. Right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's rare for me to do the three months later because it's just not relevant anymore. So. Yeah, I, that's, it's, those are the most valuable that's, ones in my opinion. Yeah, it is. Because generally, like Philip Bloom, his reviews are so amazing because he'll spend like a year with a product. It's amazing. And then make a crazy good video. Like 30 minutes knows, long. And he knows everything about it. Yeah. Um, Caleb Pike's kind of similar. Yes, he's amazing. He's so too. incredibly thorough. But some that's not what every channel needs to be. I, some uh, channels need to get yeah. the dirty facts out, you know? And I, I feel like I don't, my attention is too sh short to do that. Yeah. Because I genuinely love the newness of it. I love talking about the new stuff. And I've really partitioned in my brain now ever since Connor left. And I kind of was, I was pretty upset about like not owning the channel. I was pretty stoked about it. I was going to change the name to my name and like go all out with it. Yeah. <clears throat> but now I, I do have a clear partition with my stuff. Like Kinotika is reviews and that's it. It doesn't need to be anything more or anything better or bigger or whatever. I get whatever's new. I get it and I review it. Yeah. That's it. Tell the people what they want. And then uh, my personal channel, Dave Mays, is where I can be creative and experiment. And this is the very, f you being here and doing this video, this bad guy vid or uh, gear guy video is like the first real kind of launch to my personal channel. It's going to be sweet. So it's like. And I think I'm editing it too. Yes, you are. Yeet, brother. So uh, anyways, that's kind of me in a nutshell. I have um, a wife named Laura. I've been married almost five years, like I said. One baby and, and you got uh, another one about to pop out. I got a two-year-old, almost two. Uh, named Ryan, and then yeah, she's pregnant and she's doing like a month. That's so great. So a month she's and a half, so sweet. So. Your family is beautiful. I love your family. Um, so I want to tell the peoples how we met because I've actually talked about you on the podcast many times, mm. but so this is kind of like a cool full circle episode. Um, so I think it was about a year and a half ago, a little less. 
I decided to just up and move from Kansas to Nashville because my girlfriend had been there for about three years at the time. And that, that's been my goal for, for many years to, to get in the same city as Lauren because we've been long distance for forever. Jeez. It was like six years. Dang, man. Yeah, it was crazy. And so I, I just made a vlog called I'm Moving to Nashville. Yeah. And you you said you were searching for GH5 footage or something. Yeah. And I had put a GH5 tag in it. Yeah. And you found my freaking video. I know. I'm a nerd because I do obsess over camera stuff. And what I'll do is I'll search GH5 or like Canon 1DC or whatever. And if you just do that, the results are always the popular results. Mm -hmm. But I always change the filter to recently uploaded yes. or like upload time. So I think I just stumbled across your video. <laughs> so crazy. And you know, it, it was just there and I was like, I, the thumbnail was interesting. I was like, oh, Nashville. I live in Nashville. Yeah. And so I watched it and I just immediately was like, I was so, I thought you were so funny and so cool. <laughs> <clears throat> and so I sent, I, I clicked around on your uh, channel, you've optimized it better now. Yes. But uh, at the time, you didn't really have any Instagram or Twitter links or I anything. I was a mess, dude. But you had a link to your website. So I went to your website and on your website even, I couldn't like really find <laughs> a... Maybe you had Instagram. I think at the time I didn't have Instagram. I don't think I had an Instagram link or anything. I think it was my... Just I didn't know anything page. about thumbnails or descriptions. Like, yeah. I was just making things, trying so to figure I, it out. I sent you an email through your website. Yeah. And I was just super kind of awkward, but it was a cold email. <laughs> I was just like, hey, dude, I live in Nashville. I shoot reviews for a channel called Kinotika. Uh you know, I love your style. I think you're hilarious. You want to like hang out or something? It was crazy because I got that email and I was so stoked. <laughs> and so I went first seeing the email. I didn't know who you were, uh, but I was like, dude, somebody from Nashville wants to hang out with me. Like I just moved here. It was like the first week I was there, I think. Wow. My stuff wasn't even all the way moved in. So I go, obviously I look at your name on the email and I search you on YouTube because you said you were a fellow YouTuber. Yeah. And I realized I had already been watching your videos because that's when the Pocket 4K got announced. Yeah, yeah. And it was, I was the same time period. Yes. So and that, I, one, that was our first viral video. It had like 100,000 views. That, and that's definitely the one I saw. And so when I saw that that was you that I'd been watching, I was like, what? This guy I've been watching wants to hang out with me? I was freaking out. <laughs> so we end up meeting up at Pinewood, Pinewood and we both... Had salmon colored shirts on. Yes. <laughs> like I don't remember that. It was the exact same shirt, pretty well, much. Kind of like what I'm wearing now, I guess, huh? <laughs> yep. Oh, that blew my mind. And then I, I knew it, I knew it was love. And uh but not only that, like our conversation was great. We were just talking about just everything. I mean yeah. career and uh your music stuff and faith and YouTube faith. and all that. Yeah, and that we connected on every level is like, you know, we're both believers, we both make YouTube videos, we both love gear. We cool. both have significant others that start with an L and an A. <laughs> Laura and Lauren. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, but uh, yeah, we just hit it off and I was stoked to like get you involved. And because Nashville, like at least for me at the time, I don't know if, if I was still living, if I'm still, if I was still living there now, maybe I could meet up with some other people, but like there was nobody in Nashville at all doing, doing what I want, especially specifically what, what I like and what I want to do. Yeah. And even my freelance buddies, excuse me, even my freelance buddies who, uh, like own gear and own cameras that I talk about, they don't care about YouTube. Like they don't want to be in it. They don't, 
you know, they don't care at all. It probably seems unprofessional. Yeah. Quote unquote. So, um, I was like stoked to have you on the show. Like we, you had the Zion crane too. And I had the Ronin S oh, we did that review and we did a comparison Yeah, and then we did like a live stream and then you hit it off with Connor also. Yes. Uh, you met my dad at our old office. It and was everything. such, I was so encouraged by you guys. So we just like really became friends quick. And then we came over to your house and did another live thing stream thing. And, uh, we just hung out and, you know, just really connected. And then I moved. Yeah. You guys got the opportunity to move to LA and I was really sad but I was also super stoked for you guys because that's when your channel started taking off. But you guys, I am just so, first of all, it made me so encouraged that just making a bunch of silly videos on YouTube that nobody was watching is what ended up connecting me to you. Yeah. And you're a great friend of mine now. Yeah, exactly. And if I wouldn't have been filming myself that's true. in these dumb videos... That's kind of weird. I, I wouldn't be in this apart, this garage in California. That's <laughs> true. Like we made a great video today. Oh, dude, I can't wait for people to and see this. this none of this would have happened if we wouldn't have just made silly stuff and put it on the internet. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, who cares if I don't have a million subscribers or enough money yeah. to, to make a living on YouTube? But it's worth it for me so far still. So Just hang in there, dude. Like I think uh, I just talked to a guy named Josh Yo from a channel called Make Art Now. Really amazing dude. And he says at the end of my interview with him, he said, have you ever heard of that saying, making it? <laughs> yeah. He's like, of course. And he's like, I used to always kind of pursue that, that making it. And he said, I've learned as I've grown and as I've just developed in my career that I actually could care less about making it, but it's all about making it like literally mm, the creating the, the process, the creation today. We just had a wholesome, fun enjoyable time making this thing as two friends just goofing off and that's the whole point and we're already doing it exactly and like we were filling up the gas tank and going to get sushi and i told you i was like right now it's just like a pure enjoyment happy funness yeah like there's no views there's no money there's no it's not even comments, edited it's not edited but we had a great day we had a blast and like it's beautiful just let that be enough yes because contentment i think uh exactly and i think that is like seen through the lens too like we were talking about uh pewdiepie who you know if you guys don't watch youtube like he's literally the biggest youtuber on the he's about planet. to hit a hundred million subscribers um there's another channel that has more but it's a channel. He's it's a, a corporation. He's a YouTuber. Yeah, he's a solo creator. And basically. Uh, he just like posted a video the other day. It was like he was saying that he lost his editor, but he's editing everything himself. And like, you know, this guy's making like a million dollars a month. He has one editor. He used to have two. Yeah. He's down to him and one other guy. So he's doing half of the work himself. But he's like re falling in love with editing. Yeah. And it's like he, this guy, like he's literally pulling in as much money as Dave Ramsey makes a month <laughs> and making minecraft and dave, and dave ramsey has a thousand employees you know <laughs> oh that's a good point and uh you know of course that's not totally true i'm sure dave ramsey does net probably more because he you know he has to pay all these employees yeah but the 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 moral of that story is like no matter how much money or success he's had he has not like tried to go corporate and like hire a bunch of writers and hire a bunch of editors and hire he's, a bunch of He's shooters. actually gone away from corporate work because he was working with Disney and yeah. he had some other agents and stuff mm -hmm. and he just kind of broke away from that and he's just solo. Yeah. And you can tell he just loves it. And he loves it and he's, maybe he could 
make arguably more money if he did other things. But he is totally content with, I mean, obviously when you're talking about multi-million dollars of, you know, I'd be content with that too. <laughs> but like when you are at that level for him where he does have the option to consider making three times as much, like the fact that he's able to be content with what he has and with like that realness of him to being on the camera and editing himself. Yeah. That's amazing. So I think one thing I've, I watch so much of PewDiePie's stuff now, but I just got into him last year. So I've never, he's been going for like 10 years. Yeah. But, um, daily I, too. yeah, it's yeah. He's been making videos every day for 10 years, daily for 10 years. Unbelievable. He said he doesn't even know. He's like, I probably should take a break. I'm getting married. <laughs> Like, I probably should take a break. He needs to take a month off. But he's like, I've never taken a break in 10 years. And he's <laughs> like, I'm just so used to the routine of it that it's not hard for him to do it because mm-hmm. it's such a daily kind of grind for him. It's just amazing. He still loves it. But anyways, it gives me hope. sorry, what are you saying? I feel like just studying him and watching all of his stuff and his editing and his personality, I feel like he's probably similar to me and you where me and you don't like rules from other people like we like to work under our creative umbrella Mm -hmm. like our ideas like no restrictions you know like working together still works because we're both creative and we can bounce yeah but it's not a hierarchy above us saying you can't yeah i don't thrive in situations like that and i feel like that's probably him because he was in situations like that with disney and stuff that's probably why he takes cuts so that he can make what he wants to make yeah because it's about the satisfaction for him exactly it's a, it's dude it's beautiful so are you satisfied zach with what you're doing i am i've i'm super happy with what i'm making i feel like i'm starting to come out of the experimental stage uh-huh. um <laughs> it took me 140 vlogs to figure it out no yeah, i have so many videos fine. dude it's Just crazy remember how old are you i'm 25 25 so i'm 29 we're both, I mean, I'm about to be 30. Can't believe it. I feel like I'm supposed to be 30 right now. But <laughs> anyways, you know, for argument's sake, let's say we're somewhat the same age. Uh, I'm a couple years older, but yeah, it doesn't matter. But like we have so much left, Lord willing, right? Knock yeah. on wood. Like it, uh, if all, yeah. <laughs> of course, you know, we don't know how long we're going to live. And I definitely, you know can't say that I'm going to live to be 90 and die in my 70s. But anyways, I'm just saying like (laughs) there's so much career left. And again, you were just talking about PewDiePie. He's been doing it for 10 years. I mean, yeah. um, And it's so bad to compare yourself to other people. Uh, The more people I've met here in LA and California that do YouTube stuff, the more it's easier it is to compare myself to others because now I have like relationships with a lot of these people. I've met a lot of people who, you know, have 300,000 subscribers. They're making thousands of and thousands of dollars each month doing essentially the same thing I'm doing. They're just better at it. They have more followers. They have, you know, they're better business people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really easy to fall into the comparison game, but, uh, you know, just, I think contentment is so important and just taking a step back and looking at your career as a long-term thing. Yeah. Like, yes, you've done a hundred and whatever vlogs, but it's only been, like a year and a half. Yeah. I mean, you're Born. probably, you're going to have another probably 10 years of YouTube and yeah. who knows what, what comes after, what comes after it might not be youtube.com might be another site, but whatever, mm-hmm. who knows what's going to happen with the internet in 10 years, but there's no way I'm going to stop doing this. Yeah. Like even if they took the subscriber number away or like, yeah, I couldn't make money. Like I have to create videos. It's just a math game. Just the more, to. 
the more you do, the more experience you get, the more you're able to kind of learn from as long as you're constantly a student and looking at what you're doing and assessing it and reevaluating, but also just creatively looking at what you're doing. And, uh, I'm constantly like battling like, okay, that was really boring and really annoying. And that felt like work. And then today like was a blast and felt like so much fun. Yeah. So to me now I have a new thing that I want to continue to chase and it's Mm -hmm. this, like what, what we did today was so fun. And if I could figure out a way to make that my full time job, that'd be sweet. (laughs) Yeah, man. I, I'm just trying so hard to get to the point where YouTube and internet content is my job, like not clients. Yeah. I still love getting hired to operate camera for like certain people that that I work for. Yeah, but this is like what how long I have you do. been freelance or what, like how long have you done video? Yeah, in, in, uh, in entirety. I I'd say I've been doing professional video for like four years. Okay, so it took me seven years before I started this. So yeah, so that's cool. Three years left. Yeah, <laughs> I think three years is a pretty good amount of time to get this to be full time. <laughs> if it doesn't happen, then that's a pretty like conservative but also good goal yeah because if you could do it in a year then you're really stoked but if it takes three years that's not an eternity at all no and you know it's not that far away and it's like either way i'm gonna make videos so i might as well just try to do it the right way but being friends with you has really allowed me like you said i need to be creatively looking at like analyzing my stuff. Yeah. And I didn't really do any of that before I met you. You, you've taught me all about thumbnails, titles, tags. Yeah. And actually I just figured we should talk about some of that stuff right now. Let's do it. Like about my channel. Um, cause my biggest thing, my biggest question right now is my podcast. Yeah. Cause it's definitely different. This is meta. This is so, this is so meta, but the podcast, even the tone, it's like it's more intimate and like super chill. I love it. And you shouldn't stop doing it because I don't want to. You're able to do this, like have deep conversation. Like if we were in our in my house right now on the couch, we'd probably just be watching YouTube videos or like yeah. on our phones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like we're having a good conversation because of the podcast. Exactly. My question is, where should it land? Obviously, we already talked about this before, and I agree with you. The home base should be iTunes, Spotify, Google. Yeah. So which, a, pod- a podcast is a podcast. Like, I, I think it's so. That's number one. Yeah. And for my podcast, Golden Hour Podcast, that's what we focus on is the audio. But we do have a video portion, and it just lives on the website. And if you want to watch it, you can. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple of YouTubers who are pretty successful blending both. The one that comes to mind is Matt Diavella, I think is his name or something. Yeah. It's like but a minimalist he, he guy. He actually recently stopped. Yeah, he stopped. He moved it to a different the, channel, and yeah. then he just quit doing video. So if you look at the big, big guys and compare yourself to them, it's uh, you can learn from them, but also you don't want to really compare yourself to them because they're big. Yeah. So it's it's hard to compare it. When you're dealing with a million subscribers versus us, so and so, uh, but the standard rule of thumb these days is everything is completely and utterly reliant and uh, like focused on click through rate. Yeah. So if you post two videos a week and your click through rate is fifty percent, which means uh, half of the videos that you make get clicked on. Mm-hmm. That's worse than posting one video a week with a hundred percent click through rate. Right, because then it's going to get recommended. Even though you did two videos, the the one that got almost all your subscribers to click on. That's obviously an extreme example. It's never a hundred percent. It's never. It's never fifty. It's, I wish, dude. It's always like thirty percent and ten percent. But 
my art, my, the metaphor is basically like if you're splitting, like if somebody subscribes to your channel because they like this podcast, they subscribe to watch your podcast. Mm -hmm. And so anytime you post anything other than the podcast, they're not going to watch it. They might. And that's, and that's the hope, right? That's less click through, but they probably won't because they subscribed for the podcast. I used to think of YouTube channels as literal channels. Like if you turn on uh, MTV, they've got music videos, then they got reality shows, and then sometimes they make documentaries and films. Mm-hmm. And it's a channel, and on the channel there is like a genre to it, but there's multiple types of content on that one channel. Yeah, it's not; it's a show. So a channel is a show. If gotcha. you're thinking of it in that metaphor, like Kinotika is a show where I review camera gear. It's uh-huh. not a show where I also do magic tricks. Yeah. You know, for sure. Okay. And so that is the 2019 like situation with YouTube. And that's why you've seen a lot of big YouTubers start to split Uh corridor digital. For example, comes to mind. They have a podcast channel. They have a vlog channel and then they have a film channel and mm-hmm. they could easily blend all those together, but they understand how everything's working and they've Dang split it. that off. You're so right. And, uh, so that's what I would suggest. But at the super, like at your stage, I can see where it's like, well, I could just use every subscriber that I can get, mm-hmm. but you have to stop thinking about subscribers in 2019 because it doesn't matter. Gotcha. You have all of these, what they call ghost subscribers, which are basically like, basically we've come to a point now where YouTube's algorithm knows what you want to watch more than you do. Yeah. <laughs> and so more than, you know, like I have 60,000 subscribers or whatever. And sometimes I'll have way more views than that amount of subscribers. That's because it's being suggested and people are clicking on it who aren't subscribing and who aren't subscribers. And there's a lot of people who watch my videos who literally aren't even subscribed at all, but they watch every video. Yeah. And so every, and I'm even not subscribed to certain people. And every time that they suggest, on the homepage, hey, you might want to watch so and so's new video. I typically click on it. Dude, you're so right. And so uh, they know me. So basically, um, I learned this at VidCon. They basically said, stop asking for people to subscribe and start telling people to watch your other videos that they might like. Mm. So I've completely cut out the call to action of like, make sure to subscribe, kind of a thing, because we did it in our video as a joke. But <laughs> there's yeah. a. Uh, I'm a gear guy, sub, sub, which is a funny spoof on duh, which was in the real song. But um, so at the end of my videos, I'll say, uh, if you enjoyed this video, I've included a playlist in the link above of other videos that you might be interested in. And if you don't want to watch the playlist, here's another video that maybe you'll like. Yeah. And so if I can get somebody to stay on YouTube longer and YouTube's able to be like, wow, when people watch Kinotika videos, they stay there for 15 minutes. They're going to suggest you more. They're going to suggest my channel more. So basically, I just need to move this podcast to its own channel. Yeah, so your sketches are so great. They're sketches. Yeah. Your podcast is so great. They're podcasts. Yeah. And they, I know, again, you're looking at your numbers and comparing it to the big guys, but you just do the math on the division of that. So like look at how many subscribers quarter has and how many views they get on those videos, divide that and come up with a percentage and then do the same for you with your subscribers and your yeah. views and divide that. I think, 
I think the sketches and the commentary can live together. Yeah. Right? I think so. Absolutely. I think there's quite a few so channels. Like Dave Mays, uh, my personal channel, I'm going to do that. I'm going to blend this music video with uh, commentary. Okay. Because it's cool. just comedy. Yeah. That's true. And uh, I'm going to do just, it. I'm going to freaking gotta, do it, dude. You just got to remember, like, what is the. Just think about yourself. Like, think about the people that you watch. And the niche that they're in. Yeah. And the variety of videos that they make and which ones you like and which ones you don't, which ones you watch, which ones you don't. For sure. And just think about it from your own perspective as a consumer of those things. Uh, and you'll start to realize, oh, that guy basically makes the same type of content on this channel every time. So it's consistent. Yeah. And it's. Yeah, I got to freaking do it, dude. Okay, I'm a, doing it. I love the artistic idea of like, here's a bunch of stuff in one, but you just, it's still like that. It's still, you totally can do whatever the heck you want. You just gotta like put it on multiple channels. Yeah, that's a good point. You're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. By the way, uh, you're perfect. I apologize to anybody listening who may hear like someone <laughs> basically yelling at a phone. Yeah, there's somebody in the garage there's next to us. Another garage, right? Like the walls are paper thin and he's like on the phone. He's yapping hard. Yeah. But luckily these are, they probably won't pick it up. Okay. These yeah. are extremely, uh, I did a podcast in a venue while a band was sound checking <laughs> and you couldn't hear it at all. You think you guys heard that little cough there? Not a chance. Um, I just want to encourage you though, Zach, because I think, um, you have it, whatever it is, you have charisma, <laughs> you have talent, you have skill, you have an eye and those are all the things that you can't teach. And those are all the things that, uh, a lot of people work really hard to get and you have it. So don't Thank you, man. be discouraged about the views or the numbers or any of that crap. Cause it doesn't, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Again, it comes down to maybe God's like trying to teach you like a contentment lesson or something. Yeah, who knows, dude? Um, because, uh, I feel the same way though. Like, you know, I have 60,000 subs or whatever, but I look at my buddies have 300,000 and I'm like, it's like a never ending thing. And, uh, if you're not content. Yeah. And also, um, sometimes I, I just get bored with what I'm doing and whatever. And so I have to mix it up. So like, no matter where you are, you're going to have the same feelings that you have now. Uh, and I'm telling myself that too, cause I want to continue to strive for more and more and more. And, um, we just need to be content and thankful for what we have. And yeah. also like, again, to go spiritual, like, I have a wife who stays at home and we're about to have two kids yeah. and I'm the sole provider of the family. And God tells me through scripture that he'll, you know, provide, uh, I don't have to worry about where like food's going to come from. Mm -hmm. So I can trust that like, I just, I take what God's given me day by day, execute whatever you know, I need to do to the best of my ability, serve him through my work and I can trust that he'll provide. Yeah. And that's what's happened is like the last year, two years, um, I've just really trusted the Lord and, you know, there was a whole year where, uh, you know, but right when Kinetika first started, they weren't really paying me that much, honestly. Yeah. Uh, I was able to negotiate with them and as the channel's grown, I've been able to make more but and uh, be comfortable but um when we first started it was a big risk to basically say no to anything else and i just realized like i can't be editing weddings 
and also do YouTube. I might technically be able to schedule it and do both, but mentally my mind is just so exhausted from the weddings that I have like no creative energy to like do uh, Kinotika stuff. Yeah. And so I actually told Jim, the guy that I told you guys about earlier at the beginning of the podcast who helped me get out of day Ramsey and, you know, hired me and was just super generous. I had to tell him like, Hey dude, like I'm going to just do this YouTube thing. Like don't hire me anymore. And he kind of advised me like, dude, don't say stuff like that. Cause then that means like, I'm not going to be hiring you You're anymore. Closing the door. And I, I actually, we talked about this and like sometimes if you just come to a point in your life where you feel like it's time to actually burn a bridge or close a door, whatever metaphor you want to use, <laughs> um, sail the ship. Sometimes Wait, no. it, sometimes <laughs> it is a big, uh, motivating thing to do that because you don't have that thing that you can fall back on. Yeah. And so I shut that door. I said no to all freelance work and I basically was like, I have to do eight videos a month or I'm not getting paid and we can't <laughs> yeah. live. And I told Laura to trust me. And thankfully I have a wife that really she's awesome. so graceful and super. It's kind of nuts that <laughs> she allows me to like do all the things I do because it's risky. And she unfortunately doesn't have the same kind of vision that I have. So it is hard for her to kind of visualize the dreams and the ideas I have. Like she's been telling me all night, like, I can't wait to see your music video because I'm just like trying to imagine it, but I don't know what it's going to be like. Yeah. I'm just really excited for you. So she's just so sweet and so supportive. And uh, I told Laura, I was like, we're going to basically be broke for like probably six, seven months. <laughs> like we're going to live paycheck to paycheck. Uh, but I really feel like this will pay off. And sure enough, you know, it did. Yeah. And, uh, it, you know. That of course you could say that and it doesn't pay off, but thankfully God uh, came through and um, the whole move even to California too is pretty amazing. I came out here for VidCon when I was still living in Nashville and I've wanted to live here for a long time. There's another garage door, by the way. <laughs> Our I neighbor's wanted, gone, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I've been wanting to live in California for like six, seven years and uh, That's so cool. it just never made financial sense. And I came to VidCon. I was like, man, all the YouTubers live here. So much happening here. So I told Laura, I was like, can we just start praying about direction on whether or not we should move here? And so we did. We prayed daily, really kind of intentionally and specifically about California. Mm-hmm. And um, two weeks later, I got a phone call from a guy named Rockwell. And he said, hey, we found your videos from Kinotika. Uh, I work for a company called Polar Pro in Costa Mesa, California. And we want to fund a podcast and we're looking for a host and we think you'd be great would you be interested? And I said, well, I live in Nashville. I don't live in California. He's like, Oh, how, how soon can you get out here? I was like, what do you mean? He's like, we'll buy you a flight and get you out here. I was like, <laughs> okay, uh, next week. So they bought me and Laura. I said, well, by the way, I have a, a wife and a kid. And they're like, that's <laughs> <Bring fi- them. laughs> they're like, that's fine. I was like, I, I need a rental car. And a place to stay. And they're like, okay. <laughs> you just keep like, asking. Sweet. I really like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Yeah. Like, and oh, they, we got them. Uh, you know, we came out here. Thankfully, I do have family that lives in Huntington Beach. You met my grandma. She's so sweet. Such an angel. So we stayed with my grandma. And uh, obviously, they love that. That was the first time they all got to meet Ryan, which is cool. Oh, cool. My son. And uh, I got interviewed at Polar Pro. And they offered me the job. And I said yes. And two or three months later, we all moved to California and because of that prayer, I truly believe it was because of that prayer and that dedication, uh, that the Lord kind of opened that door. And, um, 
you know, now we've found an amazing church here. We're going to Saddleback Church, which is uh, Rick Warren's church. He wrote a book called Purpose Driven Life. I think I've heard of that. It's a pretty popular book. And, uh, you know, that doesn't really matter. He, he actually, like... <laughs> that makes like, him a good pastor. <laughs> it's just, yeah, that doesn't make him a good pastor. Um, and for the record, he, uh, you know, he donated every single cent of that book to uh, to missions. He didn't keep any of the profit, which is kind of crazy. <clears throat> but anyways, it doesn't matter. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, so we, we just fell in love with this location here in Laguna Niguel. We do not live in L.A., uh, we were going to maybe live in L.A. because that's where everything's happening. It's cool, like Hollywood, all that kind of stuff. And we've been there a couple of times. And it was just like, man, this is a dump. It's not for you. And it was so expensive and crowded and dangerous. And it was like, this is not a place to raise a family. Yeah. And so uh, we came to Orange County, which is about an hour away from L.A. And uh, it's kind of like Franklin in Nashville, basically like yeah. Franklin. Tennessee. I'm not even. I don't even make enough money a month to even go to Franklin. <laughs> so your, your girlfriend lives in Green Hills. Yeah. Well, she can go to Franklin. I can't. <laughs> they have a gate. Um. But uh, I wasn't gonna say. Yeah. So we 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 just fell in love here, and it was funny. Like the rent was the exact same to live in LA as as it is here. Oh, cool. So like the money, like we were already budgeting to live here and could afford it because of the polar pro job. Yeah. And, uh, that's so sweet. That worked out. Yeah. And so we're here, we're in this little garage. It's small, you know, but I do have this cool garage to film in. That's kind of yeah, cool. It is sweet. It does get a little hot in here. <laughs> You're sweating right now, boy. I sweat a lot, dude. So dude, I can't wait to see what you do, man. And I'm excited that we're, we're friends and we're going to be working on stuff together and stuff. So Same. thanks for letting a silly little boy like me work with you. Dude, thanks for coming all the way out here. So last minute and, <laughs> shooting this video for me dude of course thanks for being on my pod dude it was we a might blast. do a little sketch tomorrow morning if we dude, have time i have to buy a mix pre three i'm just sitting dude, here so looking sweet, at it this dude. is uh the audio recorder that zach's recording on it's right so now. so clean dude it's clean we just plugged these little sm58s right yeah right into it they sound no great pre-amp. too these mics actually sound super good even yeah. compared to my bigger road ones because these are specifically like tuned for vocal performance what about like the the classic SMB seven whatever. I I listened to a ton of audio comparisons between the Rode Procaster and the SM seven B, and every single time I liked the Rode better. Really? Yeah, I just I really like those mics. Is I like this, how they look better too. And is this like your your kind of portable setup with these mics? I don't even need yes, but I still use this and the cables. I don't need cloud lifters for the Rodes. Nice. Um, just because this has super clean gain. Yeah. So. Do you like using the Rode Podcaster mics over these that we're using right now? Uh, yeah, at home they sound better. I think they, I think you can, I think they sound similar. Um, but it's nuts that these are more full. The microphones, if you're not watching the video, the microphones <laughs> we're using are they're called SMB 58s. Just do a quick Google search, sure SMB 58 or SM 58. Sorry, yeah. excuse me. Uh, these are literally like the microphones of the entire like rock and roll industry yeah these are the rock and roll they're they're also just like anytime that you think of a microphone this is what it looks like 
And you can throw this off a cliff. Yes, and you it can, will not break. You can literally like <laughs> nail a nail into a wall <laughs> with the microphone. It will not damage it. They're, they're so amazing. So they're great for like flying around and this recorder is so small and it's powered by my phone battery. I'm pretty charger. sure that like Mick Jagger like literally records with this. And like I think I've heard Who like knows? a lot of big recording artists prefer recording with this. When they really? Sing. Yeah, that's interesting. I know they're like super they're popular obviously live. on every stage anytime you watch anything live this is the mic that they're singing into mm-hmm. i use one of these for like earth grown shows and stuff too usually they have a smell too like it's probably my breath no there's like a <laughs> there's just a metallic smell and they all smell the, the same casing. and they're cheap yeah these are like 80 bucks Dude, like these that. these mics are like so old school it's so amazing the audio is like kind of the last analog kind of thing out there yeah you know, like film is dead. It's got analog limiters in it too. So we can be like, yeet, and it won't really do anything. <laughs> digital cameras for video are all digital. Yeah. Uh, but we're using an A to D box. Basically, this microphone is analog, and the recording device has an A to D inside of it. It's so cool. It's kind of nuts. There's nothing else analog. It's insane. That's a good point. But, um, dude. Thanks for being on the Sorry, show. Sorry, I went I went gear nerd on you. Because I'm a gear, gear guy. Dude, yeah. Um, so keep your eyes peeled on Dave's channel for the gear guy music video. Super stoked about that. All right, did you shoot this super flat, by the way? Yeah, this is in log, dude. Dang, you're gonna put I guess you just put a lot on it. Yeah, dude. Yeah, you don't have to like color correct every minute of no. this. No, just one. Yeah. Just the first minute. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Follow yeah. me at Dave Mays underscore. Check out his podcast too. And then Golden Hour Podcast is what my podcast is called. And then obviously Polar Pro. Kinotika. And then Kinotika is spelled K-I-N-O-T-I-K-A. But if you just search Dave Mays on YouTube, uh, that'll come up now. Because it's like I've added Kinotika hosted by Dave Mays. Yeah, so that's some, that's another new thing I learned at VidCon. Uh tags don't matter anymore. Remember how I searched GH5 and you had that in your tag and Doesn't I found work it? Anymore. If I were to do that like these days, it didn't work. So I, I put Dave Mays in every single tag on all my videos. You search Dave Mays and none of them would show up. And I didn't know why. They only really dive into titles and descriptions now for like tags. Interesting. And so when I'm doing a title, I'll put like the real title like Black Magic Pocket Cinema Camera 6K first look and then dash BMPCC 6K, Blackmagic Design. Oh my God. Dash Kinotika hosted by Dave Mays. And so, like, nobody really cares because they don't really look all they the see, way like, through. like the first five words. And it's enough to, like, tie into their algorithm and it just ser- the search SEO is so perfect. Funny. So, like, now when you search Dave Mays, everything comes up because I basically changed the channel name from Kinotika to Kinotika Dash hosted by Dave Mays. Yes. That way, when you search Dave Mays, you can just find it. Yeah. And be on the lookout very soon. I'm going to change the name of this channel to just Zach Mayfield. Although it probably happened by now. Yeah, it's probably actually already happened. And this this might actually be on a new podcast channel. Oof. So we're going to cheers the mics. I love you. Thanks for being being a good friend. Bye. Thank you. Thank you so much for watching this video. If you like my stuff, consider subscribing to my channel. It would mean a whole lot to me. If you'd like your name on all of my work, access to episodes of my podcast early, or bonus episodes of my vlog, head over to patreon.com slash Zachariah Mayfield. You can support me for as little as $3 a month. That's a pretty freaking good deal. 